Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. You might not realize it, but you totally know the work of Mary Engelbright. The St. Louis illustrator's distinctive style graces greeting cards, calendars, and mugs. Her children's books include The Snow Queen and The Nutcracker, and the rosy-cheeked cherubs on intricately colored pages make them a favorite for kids and parents alike. But Mary Engelbright isn't just about hearts and gorgeously drawn flowers. She's also fought for women's rights and urged people to vote in sometimes tough terms. A poster she designed proclaimed the Constitution is not going to uphold itself. In 2014, she even weighed in on the events of Ferguson. This weekend, Engelbright will be a guest of honor at BookFest, the literary festival sponsored by the Central West End Business Community Improvement District and Left Bank Books. Joining us by phone to discuss her work and preview that event is Mary Engelbright. Mary, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What do you love most about Mary Engelbright's work? Do you have a fond memory of one of her children's (laughs) books or greeting cards? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Mary, you're one of the best-known illustrators working in the U.S. today, so I was a little bit surprised to learn that you never went to art school. How did you first get your foot in the door? Well, um, how did I? I actually just sent, I started having shows around St. Louis in little stores and then specifically in Left Bank Books. Um, Every year I'd have a show and I I realized that people really liked the stuff. And so eventually I sent it to a few um, card companies. There were a lot more independent card companies back then. And I sent my work there. Um, Several of them took it. And um, it just kind of grew from that. That's amazing. And is this something you always kind of knew you wanted to do, or had you originally pursued a different day job? No, I always wanted to do this. I remember telling my mother when I was about 11 that this is what I was going to do. And um, my parents, God bless them, were always so supportive. And I mean, I'm sure they had no idea how I was going to make money doing this, but Right. How, how does one become an illustrator? <laughs> exactly. And neither one of them were artistic, but they really were always supportive, had the house full of art supplies. And um, um, I took some art classes in the neighborhood. And so I never felt like it was an impossible dream. You know, I just assumed that this was going to happen because that was kind of their attitude. Well, OK, that's what you want to do. That, that's well, great. They had such belief in you. You said that they were not um, artistic. Was there any particular art that you saw when you were young where you were like, yeah, that's what I have to do? Or Yes. I My uh, mother would read to us every night, and a lot of the books were from her childhood or even her mother's childhood. So books that were beautifully illustrated, you know, by Arthur Rackham and these old, you know, classic illustrators and that was my favorite part of the reading and um i'd copy them after we read the story the next day you know i'd get them out and i'd copy those drawings so that's kind of how i taught myself to draw and that's the kind of art that i've always uh loved and been partial to and yet i read it took you quite some time um to end up doing your first children's book you really sort of went down the card route for a while before you you found yourself doing that were you at first intimidated to take that on or was it just so much work (laughs) no nobody asked 
Oh, um, how is that possible? Your your illustrations are are, are everywhere. Well, it, it's um, it's funny. But most publishing companies use their own in-house illustrators. They get manuscripts from all kinds of people, um, and a lot of people don't know this, but you don't have to send those manuscripts in fully illustrated because they use their own illustrators. And so it's a little bit hard to break into that business unless you have a name. So actually, the greeting card avenue was perfect because it got my work out there, got my name out there, and then I was approached by publishers who were familiar with that and wanted me to illustrate books. That's great. And that led to The Snow Queen? That was your first book? The Snow Queen was the first book, yes. Uh-huh. And I feel like that book is such a favorite. Um, I, I told several people I was talking to you today, and they were like, oh, The Snow Queen. That must have been a huge hit for the publishers. It was, and I. it's one of my all-time favorite fairy stories. And they were so, it was Workman Publishing, and they were so generous and um, asked me, they wanted me to do a book, and they just said, what is your favorite story? We'll do that. We'll do whatever that is. And um, so that's how the Snow Queen. What did you be. like about the Snow Queen? It's a really um, kind of mysterious and romantic tale. There's lots of different moving parts to it. It's um, it's not, you know, the prince comes and saves the princess kind of thing. It's about friendship. And um, it's it's just a it's a wonderful story. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you chose a good one for sure. Um, yeah. Now I read um, that you also got fired from the St. Louis Post Dispatch early on in your career. Can you tell us that story? Well, I wasn't fired really. I was um, I was the first woman they had ever hired in the art department. And this was what year? Um, oh my gosh! It must have been. <laughs> 72 or something like that. Okay. Um, and I was, it was a tough job. I had never worked like that under such intense deadlines. And I was exhausted. You had to be there at eight in the morning, which was also uh, not familiar to me. But, <laughs> not a morning person. Yeah. But I found out that um, I was getting paid considerably less than the men, hmm. which didn't actually, the thing was, I was being paid more than I ever, ever thought I would ever, ever make as an artist. So I was perfectly happy with what I was being paid. But I knew other women were also <clears throat> suing at the post for the pay difference. And I felt like I should say something. Hmm. And so I was still in my probation period. And I um, went to whoever I went to and said, you know, this is happening. I hate to complain. I'm sorry. But this is, you know, there's really quite a difference. And they said, oh, you're right. And um, they gave me all my back pay and said, we're not going to need you anymore. Oh. So I wasn't really fired. I mean, it was during my probation period. They had every right to let me go. But um, I was thrilled, frankly. You were so. thrilled. 
I was thrilled. I did not like that job. <laughs> was this the, the yeah. early morning hours and the deadlines, early, or, or was there more yeah. to it? Yeah, no. Oh, the people were wonderful. I loved that part of it. Other than the um, people that wanted to pay you much less than men. Well, but that was true all through the newspaper. It wasn't just yeah. me. So, But it was, it was uh, the people were great. But yeah, it was the early morning and the intense deadlines. And it, I wasn't drawing what I actually wanted to draw, of course. Um, so yeah, I was happy to leave. So did that end up being a blessing in disguise that, that liberated oh, yeah. you to, to do what you wanted to do? Absolutely. Well, yeah. we can thank the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for that. That's right. And um, I do. We're actually going to go to the phone lines here. Um, we have a big fan of yours, apparently, who um, has, has heeded our call and decided to call in. Um, Heather, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, uh, Mary. Uh, I'm just such a huge fan. Uh, well, thanks. I have been collecting your stuff, and when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader, and we had to decorate lockers, and I used your images to cut out and put on the um, lockers, and um, I had to get there early because they were stolen as soon as I <laughs> up. So, oh, like, no. your images have inspired me and inspired my, you know, my high school, team, you know, teammates and stuff, so... You, you still are such a wonderful inspiration to me, especially recently with uh, the elections and stuff. Uh, but just I have, all your I art has been that. so great. So thank you so much. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've been around a long time, so I'm glad to hear you liked it in high school and you still like it. Heather, Heather <laughs> thank you so much for that call. Thank you. Um, Mary, um, since since Heather did mention this, um, I think a number of your fans probably did not know about your political inklings until the illustration you did in the wake of Michael Brown's killing in Ferguson. And as we heard from Heather, it sounds like she's very appreciative of your politics. But but I'm sure that that wasn't necessarily a strategic decision that that you were going to <laughs> to share your political well, that was sympathies. A poor there. business decision. Yeah. <laughs> did you end up getting a big backlash for that? Um. Yeah, I was very upset by um, the killing of Michael Brown, and I uh, did the drawing. And, and, and I, tell us, sorry, just what was this drawing? The drawing was of a mother with her little boy uh, looking at a newspaper that was talking about the police shooting, and it said, um, hands up, and the little boy had his hands up, and it said, no one should have to teach their children this in this country or in the United States. And so I put it on Instagram and um, I think I put it on Facebook too. And I didn't tell anybody at work that I was doing this. I just did it. Hmm. And um, so I watched in horror as we lost, you know, people were just, leaving horrible messages and getting off the page. And I think we lost um, 10,000 people that day. Oh, my goodness. Um, 10,000 followers. But we gained 100,000. Um, people were writing in saying, you're right, this is horrible, this is terrible state of affairs and heartbreaking and blah, blah, blah. So we did, we gained about 100,000. So all was well. But we, we did lose um, a lot of customers. But... I felt like it was an important issue and I had to say something. I feel like 
if you've got a platform and there's something that you feel strongly about and you feel you might be able to make a difference or change a mind um, or two, that you should do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You should speak up. So it was a scary day, but... um, Yeah, it sounds like a roller coaster. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And and your team, I mean, you're not just Mary Engelbright. You're also Mary Engelbright, Inc. I, I mean that figuratively, right. of course. But, I mean, right. you must have worried at some point that these people whose livelihood depended on you. Exactly. You exactly. made this decision. I um, was panicking. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my Lord, what have I done? But um, And they were all wonderful. They were all 100% behind me. And as I say, by the end of the day, we knew... Um, that all was not lost. And and how nice to have a happy ending on that. I guess I'm wondering, though, um, do you think if people had been paying very close attention to your work up till that point, do you think they would have picked up on clues of of what your politics were? Or is that something that it really wasn't until that moment that it was Mary Engelbright unleashed? Um, No, you know, I think that's a good question. I, I thought it was I didn't feel odd posting that because I felt it was obvious through my drawings or, um, you know, things that I would post on Instagram or something, how I felt about things, not specific things like that. But, um, you know, I, I thought, I mean, I always like to put a little bit of myself into all the drawings. And so I, I thought that it was, yeah, it would have been obvious to anybody who was really looking, but apparently it wasn't. People don't always pay so much attention on social media. No, no. and they're cute little drawings. Nobody's going to read heavy-duty things into them. So um, I guess that's why it came as a shock. Um, I'm actually going to go back to the phone lines. We've got another caller who I, I think has some things she'd like to share with our audience. Um, hi, Anne from Creve Corps. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Yes, hi. Um, hi, Mary. I've been a fan of your work for a long time, and I grew up in the 70s and 80s in St. Louis. Thank um, you. I like appreciate you, it. Yeah, I like you copied pictures from books that you read as a child. Um, I used to copy your pictures. Oh. Um, and um, starting with ads that were for, like, Mustang books and things like that, and subsequently copied other artists' work and became an artist and a graphic designer that I am now, and I've always loved your work, so you're always a good an inspiration to me. Oh, that's great. I, I, that's wonderful to hear. Um, and thank you so much for that call. Um, it's it's great to hear from these fans, Mary. I think that um, you've really inspired um, a, a generation of artists. No, it's, it's fun to hear that um, Anne copied my drawings, just like I was copying those other drawings. And um, that's fun. Keep, you know, keep the circle going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and thank you for that call. Mary, I did want to ask you, you have such a distinctive style. When do you feel like the look of what a Mary Engelbright illustration is? Is that something that crystallized when you were younger or was it later in your career? Well, um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the really old stuff, really old stuff, you can still see, um, you know, kind of the same style that I'm using today, but obviously you know, as I always tell my kids, if you do something every single day, you're bound to get better at it. So, um, you know, I think it's a little more sophisticated now. 
but and I used to be afraid to color anything in. I did a lot of uh, black and white ink drawings, and I was terrified to color anything in because I was sure I was going to ruin it. But um, and now your work is so colorful, right? Right, and um, you know, I just taught myself how to get it to look the way I wanted it to look. It's all been very fun. Do you feel like being in St. Louis has hurt your career, that, that people might um, hire you for bigger projects or take you more seriously if, if you were in New York or, or Los Angeles? Um, I don't. I think it's more of a question of if I had been willing to travel more, um, maybe been a little more ambitious, I could have, um, you know, done the TV thing and, and that kind of thing. I wasn't really willing to do it. It's not what I wanted to do. I really just wanted to sit in my studio and draw. So you can do that from anywhere. I love St. Louis. My family was here. All my friends were here. And I never had a desire to leave. But I, I do think it would have been a, a very different career um, had I done so. And if you had been willing to leave or, or had been willing to travel more, what do you think you would have ended up doing that, that you haven't gotten to do here? Well, um, you know, I, I what? I mean, maybe a TV show or something. But we produced a, uh, a decorating magazine from here in St. Louis that was, you know, loved worldwide. So really... You can do anything from anywhere, especially nowadays. There's no reason at all yeah. to, uh, to you know, have to go to a certain city to yeah. do it. Now no one that has to travel. That was more true back then. Yeah, but um, I just never wanted to. I liked it here. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We've got one more caller here. Um, Brent, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. I just wanted to say that I'm such a fan. And actually, um, my whole family was And growing up. We had a bathroom that was dedicated to you with um, a black and white checkerboard uh, Mary Englebright wallpaper. And then um, your prints and frames and all that. That's great. I love to hear that. Oh, it was great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Brent, thank you so much for that call. I love the idea of the Mary Englebright bathroom. That's when you know you've made it. The honorary bathroom. That's right. <laughs> now, Mary. Um, um, oh, what? Go ahead. Sorry. I, uh, we, d- we have just about one minute to go. I wanted to just okay. foreshadow. You're going to be talking to Chris Kleindienst of Left Bank Books this Saturday. Um, right. Give us a little preview. What are you going to be talking about? You know, I, you'd have to ask Chris. Oh, I'm she's asking the questions? Sure. and Yeah. Yeah, she's going to be asking the questions, and I'm pretty sure it's just the uh, you know, kind of what we've talked about today, the history of the business and um, how I wound up uh, being a little more political um, than anybody thought I was going to be. Um, so it should be it should be a fun conversation. And Chris and I are old friends, so it should be fun. And you said Left Bank is, is one of the first shops to stock your cards. Is that what made you say yes to, oh, to this event? Absolutely. I would do anything for Left Bank. They... Um, one of the first stores to have my cards, but they were also one of the very first places to let me have a show at their store before I was published anywhere. So um, they've been one of my great supporters, and I would do anything for them. Well, Mary Engelbright, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was fun. Uh, You can catch Mary this Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. at BookFest in the Central West End. She'll be in conversation with Left Bank Books co-owner Chris Kleindienst. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.